Hello and welcome to episode number one of Feedback. This is a brand new show on Unwind Media. I'm Rob Attrell and I'm really excited to debut this show for you right now. In this episode, I sit down with my co-hosts Damien and Brian Lee or BL to talk about all things music. We're going to try to do this show monthly to start with BL and Damien recording some acoustic songs during each session. You can find this and many other shows on unwindmedia.com. This is a pilot project that we're trying out. I've got Brian Lee here with me, BL. How are you doing, BL? Not too bad, thanks. And with me as well is Damien Brooms. How are you? I'm good. Good. Doing well. Uh, So you guys are part of a band, Sons of Pluto. Mm -hmm. And you guys have been very interested in music pretty much your whole lives. And I thought, I'm also interested in music, but more on the enjoyment and technology end of things. And so I thought it would be a cool idea to just sit down with you guys and try out a music show. We'll see where it goes. We've talked about maybe trying to do it monthly if this works out and just enjoy ourselves. So what do you say, chaps? That's a fine <laughs> plan. I say you shouldn't say chaps, but yeah, other, totally. than that, <laughs> other than that, completely for it. Yeah. <clears throat> completely good to go. Yeah. The, Let's um, do it. So the, I'm hoping we've got, you guys have guitars here and, and Damien, you brought your voice. I did. I, I remembered to bring it. To yeah. Him. Yeah. Sometimes he doesn't bring it. No, <laughs> true. We're hoping to record a couple songs as well. So we're going to put mm-hmm. these, put those in either at the end or wherever it feels natural to put them in in breaks. But I'm really excited to talk about music with you guys. I'm interested to hear your side of things in music. I know that we have differing tastes in some regards in music. You guys listen to music that either I don't listen to or I haven't really heard of. And I'm sure that I'm more interested in pop music than you guys are, but we also can talk about how, like, the term pop music is kind of a misnomer, mm-hmm. and it's changing all the time. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we start with how we listen to music? Does that seem like a logical place to start? How we listen to music, sure. Like, the, so the, the way that you find it, the way that you get it, and then the way that you actually enjoy the music itself, whether it's uh, going into a physical music store, downloading from iTunes, streaming it via some streaming service, like go into the whole thing. Maybe why don't we start with you, Brian? And Sure. Um, how do I find music? I think because my kind of roots are more rock and roll, I've subscribed myself on Facebook feeds that are uh, guitar magazines, rock and roll magazines, and they're always letting me know you know, the next album that's coming out from this band and that band or bands that are related to bands that I like. So using Facebook and other social media, they're able to kind of draw my attention to things that are very similar. So that's how I keep in touch. Other than that, billboard.com is a nice place to start. Yeah. For more mainstream rock. Sure. Do you mean? I listen to varying types of music and uh, <clears throat> for, in, for, for top 40 type stuff, while I'm driving, I'll have like um, uh, the new Hot 89.9 on, and I'll be listening to that. I mean, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of stuff that you have to sift through to get something that's actually worthwhile in in terms of what's played on stations like that. Um, But there are some gems there, especially for the band. If we're playing a show and we're doing, we're looking to do some covers to make people's ears perk up a little bit, then that's, I'm I'm always looking for potentially like a new cover that I think would suit our needs and also get people really excited um, because it'll be a song that they listen on the radio. Um, But so I I do a lot of driving. So it's mainly between 89.9 and Live 88.5. I listen to Live 88.5 for some new like alternative type stuff and indie type stuff stuff with a little bit more depth i would say and sometimes my my third favorite is uh dog which is 1019 and that's the blues station and i i find that that station never fails like i just love blues so uh that's a really great station but other than that so i, I might i might listen to an artist on while driving on the radio and then i'll go and download um their stuff, or I'll, uh, for instance, yesterday I went into HMV. I, n- I don't really do a lot of shopping, yeah. But uh, when I physically go into stores, I'll, I'll go to an HMV and see first and foremost if they have any vinyls. CDs don't really make me excited anymore. <laughs> I can just download the MP3 tracks, but like the vinyl, and I think I've spoken to you about this yeah. in some other uh, form. Uh, but the vinyl for me is fantastic. So, for instance, yesterday I was telling BL on the way here, I went and got um, Best of Bob Marley uh, on vinyl. And that's the other thing is that there are cert- we were speaking on the way here, that there are certain bands, certain types of music that work really well on vinyl. So, for instance, mm-hmm. like Bob Marley would work really well on vinyl. We were talking and we were listening to Arctic Monkeys yeah. um, AM. Uh, their latest record and Fantastic we were saying album. really great album and we were saying that that's another record that would really work well on vinyl so there are many different ways that I try and en- enjoy music um, YouTube I guess as well because I what I really like on YouTube once I hear the song on the radio I might go on YouTube especially if I'm considering on covering it you know or yeah. learning it just for myself or either for the band um, YouTube's a really great way to go and see how other people interpret the song and sort of give ideas for like how we can kind of adjust it to our own needs uh, as a band and, and sort of the sound that we already have. So many, many different ways, but I would say that I'm just immersed in music all the time in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I think it's just something that comes with time when you're interested. Your ears generally perk out when people start talking about bands and you ask them, you know, ask your friends what they're listening to. It it's, doesn't take too much effort. It, you just get a constant stream of new and beautiful songs to listen to all the time. Like it's, And I mean, some bands are really genius in their approach in promoting themselves. So you look at bands like OK Go or Walk Off the Earth who like, quite obviously put a lot of time and effort into their videos yeah. and the way that they distribute their music. Was it you that posted a link saying, okay, go is planning on doing some stuff like yeah. writing <laughs> their stuff on DNA or something yeah. like that. It's saying and that you're, like, it's a, you're not really going to be able to play it, but it's more just like something to just try something new. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Try something new. So like bands like that, I really respect that are really pushing the envelope. And so when you have bands like, okay, go, um, that are doing really cool videos that are really visually interesting, um, then that's going to be, that's going to blow up on social media. So you're going to see that you're going to want to see it. 
and you know you find new and cool songs that way too um so also uh snl i love yeah, watching yeah. saturday night live and they have um some really cool artists play there um for instance <clears throat> a few months ago hosier was on and uh he's a fantastic young artist uh and so i i i remember watching snl and and the music came on and I, I never heard of hosier and the music segment came on and he sang uh, take me to church which is his big song right now and i was like hypnotized like it was oh, it was so fantastic so many different ways i'm constantly searching yeah uh did you did you happen to catch prince's medley so oh. fantastic so great oh my oh my goodness i want to make the uh draw the attention to the guitarist as well because yeah. donna grantis is from toronto and uh she's relatively unknown so i just want to say check her stuff out too um and i have her album oh, i forgot what it was called but i uh paid for it and it was fantastic and got it in digital form so donna grantis check her out cool yeah and also also last but certainly not least um, new music just by going to see shows. Mm, right. Yes. I mean, a few months ago we went to Lunenburg to see, uh, to see league of wolves is a Canadian band from out West in Saskatchewan, right? Yes. They're fantastic. They're, they're really, really great. And they just happened to stop by on their way to a, a festival in Quebec. They stopped by in Ottawa for one night to play the show at Lunenburg and there, I mean, our friends were there because we had just played a show at Maverick and yeah. we went over there to hang out and they were there and they were so great. Uh, my girlfriend, Becca, bought uh, their CD. Yeah. Really great CD. And then even on Thursday, we listened to this band called The Tree Phones, which never heard of again. And and uh, they were there. And just for me, we all can tell you that like immediately as soon as they started doing their set and it was two guys. And as soon yeah. as they started doing their set, Oh my goodness, I was completely enthralled. And I, and I went and I, they had vinyl records on sale and I went and I bought the vinyl record after listening to them for like six minutes. Cause we had to leave yeah. and went home and, and promptly put it on, on my record player and listened to it for the rest of the night. And it was so great. So, I mean, we all find music like online and very, very internet based in our approach for, for music or radio based. But I think also just taking the chance to go out and, and listen to a band that you've never heard of before um, is a great approach too. Cause you never know. Like I've listened, I've now, I now have a bunch of bands that I like to listen to because I just took the chance to just pay the money to just go yeah. listen to them. Um Yeah. And they, they obviously want more viewership, for lack of a better yeah. term. So I'm sure they would really appreciate that, too. Yeah. What do you guys think of Ottawa in terms of the music scene compared to other Toronto, for instance? Um, quality of bands, quantity of bands. I mean, Montreal as well will also have. And then there's like obviously big U.S. cities for music. Wow. I mean, I've only really taken performance seriously in Ottawa. So it's the only city that I know but I feel like it's small enough that if you have some sort of base level of talent, you're able to kind of hop around and do a lot more than say Toronto or Montreal where pay to plays, uh, pay to play as a format is more common, right? Is that, would that be fair to say? I have no idea, I'm, but <clears throat> I don't know about pay to play for the other places. I'm not sure 
that's common in those bigger cities. But um, my impression is that Ottawa is actually not very, it's not the optimal environment for the music scene. The music scene I feel is growing, but that might just be because we're becoming more aware as a band of our surroundings. But I, anytime someone talks about the music scene in Ottawa, my impression is always like, if you want to make it in music or if you want to take it seriously, then you should probably move to Toronto or Montreal um, or somewhere in the States. Um, I certainly think that there are a, a ton of good, there's, a lot of good intentions here to try and to try and beef up the music uh, scene here in Ottawa. And there are a lot of good bands that we have come across too. Mm-hmm. Um, even the ones that I just mentioned, but like other ones that, that, that are in Ottawa, like we, our sister band, if you could say is Beau Royale, who van, uh, really, really great band um, that we've gotten to know. And uh, so, you know, there, there are some great people here, but I just don't know if the environment is to, is conducive to that of like something that lets music flourish, it's government town. Yes, but it's, I might add just because I went and attended this thing uh, run by the music managers forum. It's yeah. a uh, Canadian group of I suppose, music managers that uh, connect with one another and went to one of their uh, sessions, and they were saying, "Well, actually, geographically speaking." If two bands, the two of the same bands, one in Vancouver and one in Ottawa, the one in Ottawa actually has a better chance in terms of spreading their music because Boston's really close, New York's really close, Toronto's really close, and Montreal's really close. If you start in Vancouver, the nearest big city is what, Calgary? Yeah. So in having Ottawa as home base is not necessarily a bad thing if you're mm-hmm. able to kind of make the jump elsewhere. We're definitely close to other big, big places. Mm-hmm. You're right. Vancouver is a little bit far Tucked away. away. Um, but if we're ta- if we're speaking solely in, in terms of like Ottawa, mm-hmm. it might be a good home base, but I don't know if it's a good place to sort of sort of blow up on the music scene you'd have to like you mentioned you'd have to probably go elsewhere quite a bit in order to make a name for yourself but i i, I honestly think like because one one would think that the nation's capital would be someplace where you know artistic minds flock to and and you know we have this great scene for all, all types of art but i i think honestly uh that because ottawa is a government town and you have sort of you have a lot of people that might be sort of different minded in their approach to what's important in life or what what sort of things they invest their time and their money into then you have all, of course all the students that come here from the so there's there's sort of uh both ends of the spectrum i mm-hmm. guess um but uh my impression is that if you want to sort of hone your your uh, your skills, probably another city like Toronto or Montreal is a better place to go. But definitely you can have good roots in Ottawa so that you can go elsewhere. Um, it is a central location, mm-hmm. especially compared to Vancouver, you're right. Yeah. Like Soul Jazz Orchestra is internationally renowned and they're from here. Like it's mm-hmm. and I'd be curious to figure out whether or not like other genres of music or more from here, like say, I don't know, classical or jazz or something else, that, you know, that, that we maybe don't even know. Yeah, exactly. Yet. That we're not even aware of. So like Amos the transparent, Amos the transparent's from here. Balconies is from here. There are Ottawa music students. Um, there are quite a few people that get started here at least, mm-hmm. you know, so, 
but maybe perhaps they just go elsewhere. And, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I've heard before that it, like if you're in a place like Ottawa that maybe doesn't have as big a music scene as some of the some of the bigger cities on the further on the East Coast or Toronto, that it's easier to get through. There's less bands, so it's easier for an individual band that's good to get through the noise and actually get noticed. Like it can actually, you can actually use it to your advantage in that it doesn't take necessarily as much to become one of the best or most well-known bands when there are less bands to compete with. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any value to that? Oh, that makes complete sense to me. Um, yeah. Yes, I would agree. I mean, we we were able to we were able to do a lot of things that I think if we were if Sons of Buddha was in Toronto or Montreal would not have been able to do like play in the market yeah. on Canada Day in 2012 uh, in a prime location in a parking lot that yeah. would not have been possible. Playing in the National Arts Center, not possible. Right. Things like that. We definitely stumbled upon certain opportunities and we don't understand how we got there. Yeah. Even even on the 13th, we have a, um, a show at Atomic Rooster, which is somewhat of a, a pretty coveted venue to play at. It is. Like a lot of a lot of bands play there and uh Thanks Donnie. Yeah, thank you to Don <laughs> and, and everybody. Hopefully we can bring a, a good show. Um but <clears throat> so even that, like yesterday I was thinking because one of the servers at Atomic Rooster said that the way that Don, the owner, usually goes about things is to uh to to listen like the band has to have a demo he listens to it maybe on his drive to work and he decides if he likes them and if not uh then they don't get a call back if they if they do then he'll book a time slot and um the the time slots are very sought after but for us it was kind of we showed up and i went up to him and said can we play and he was like Okay, let me see the next time oh. that I have available. Mm-hmm. Having never heard us, and and we're, I mean, I think we're comfortable and confident enough in our set, <clears throat> in our, in the music that we play, and our skills that we will we will not disappoint. But I mean, just the fact that we got that opportunity. If we were elsewhere, if we were in Toronto, yeah. they would probably laugh you out of the place. Right. If you just showed up and said, "I don't have a demo. I don't have anything. You don't know who I am, but can I play here?" Right. Um, so I think there are definitely a lot of opportunities that are open to to us because there aren't a lot of people who are here trying to make it. And that might be that might work to the benefit of the music scene in general when you have uh, people here that are really, really going for it. And they're going to try and make their name here instead of elsewhere because there's so much little resistance. And then. Then of course more people will come here, and then it'll get harder and harder and harder, and then we'll have another Toronto or Montreal. But until then, I think uh, we're we're probably in a good spot. I mean, I guess that's a way to to look at it. Because if you're if you're really good, if you could be like so to speak, sort of a big fish in a little pond in Ottawa, <clears throat> that, then that could be a potentially a very good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of truth yeah. to that to that statement. I. I think, I mean, I don't, I obviously don't know, but you guys have played at Atomic Rooster before. You guys did an open mic there at least once that I'm aware of. Oh, twice, maybe three, three times. times maybe, yeah. So yeah. is it possible he was there and they <clears throat> had at least heard you at some point? I don't know. I know the server recognizes us. Okay. Um, the server that we spoke to, I, I, I don't know what her name is. Um, but um, maybe, he, maybe he's seen us before. You're right. Maybe because I didn't know. 
I didn't know what the owner looked like. Um, he, yeah, he come he comes in pretty late. We're usually there pretty late. Like maybe he's seen us before. Right. The night that we went and spoke to him, did we do an open night mic that night? Um, I don't think so. We were just, uh, I think we were just relaxing after a band practice and we were like, oh. we might as well go and have a chat, see if he's there. I, I thought I thought we played. Did we play? Maybe we played. I thought we played, and he came right after we finished, so he hadn't seen us. I, that's how I remember it. And then we met um, Derek Wilson, strongman Derek Wilson, um, that night too. So a lot of it also is a little bit of, of luck too, you know. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, being out there and yeah, yeah, and you <clears> might meet the right person, or you might be able to showcase a little bit of your stuff, and they're able to kind of overhear it and. Yeah, but we played some stuff that uh, kind of obscure. Even even the NAC, the reason we were there, it was it was a fundraiser um, to end polio in some developing countries, and and so I think you know luck, but also there are a lot of great things that go into being a successful band. I think one of us, what works, one of one of the things for us, what works is that. All of us in some way, shape or form are, are plugged into the Ottawa, not just music, but events scene and things that are going on in Ottawa. We have a lot of great friends that run events, <clears throat> certain events, you know, events are very successful and there's like food and music. So yeah. if you take care of the food and you need the music, you know, because we're nice people, our friends might come to us and say, listen, I need a band for this thing. Then we play that thing, and then there are other people of the same sort of nature there who might be organizing another event in the future, and then they approach us and say, I remember you from this. Do you think that you could play this? That is We've true. gotten some gigs. We've gotten some pretty good gigs from free shows that we did as favors for other friends. because That they, have led to contacts, <clears throat> future shows. Yeah. yeah, I'd say our think, members are very multifaceted, yeah. very expansive sort of social. I think Atomic Rooster, for the 13th, I think... That's probably the first show in a long time that we proactively went and sought out. Mm -hmm. Everything else was sort of handed to us, which we're really lucky. And again, it's very thankful. Probably because Ottawa is not so, you know, competitive, perhaps with with the bands that are here. So we've been given a lot of great opportunities, which, yes, we are very, very thankful for. Um, So, yeah, it's been great.
to talk about and i know damien where you fall on this uh analog versus digital analog was the technology like before before <coughs> computers because that was when digital started like people listened to vinyl for how do you know how long vinyl's been around has it been is it a few hundred years or is it sort of well, a lot more recent than that i'm not sure if it's been a few hundred years what are we 2014 so Maybe close to like 200 years or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so that is a very, like it's a, it's a very warm listening experience. There's a lot of character in vinyl audio mm-hmm. and w- shifting to digital people have been able to make a lot of different stuff. There's a lot of stuff you can do with electronics mm-hmm. to cr- create sound. And so I, what do you, do you guys, is there one that you guys prefer over the other, or is it sort of, it depends on what it is you're listening to. Is there, is there a clear winner for either of you between analog and digital, or is it sort of a toss up depending on the context? I mean, and then there's obviously, if you're watching a live performance, there's the, the sort of a third thing where you're actually just directly hearing whatever they're playing. Is there, do you guys have a favorite? I'm a bigger fan of analog and uh, where I'm coming from is the sounds that are coming out of my amp and the pedals that I use. Um, I found over time for the performance that the analog pedals gave me more, umph, more meat on the bones when I play through it. When I strum those chords, it like it moves something in people and in myself that yeah. the digital technology can't replace. But at the same time, digital technology has allowed us to, you know, practice silently, say in an apartment through the jam hub using, uh, you know, a uh, multi effects pedal say. Yeah. So from a performance and practice standpoint, there's, you know, pros and cons for each. 
Um, so, but I, I'm a bigger fan of the analog overall. But I can see where the digital flexibility can be very handy. I think both of them have. I think both of them have their place. I mean, <clears throat> Dave Grohl would definitely, I think, say analog. Or I don't want to put words in Dave Grohl's mouth, but you know, I think he's a big, he's a big advocate for analog. I I just recently. I just recently watched uh, Sound City, believe it or not. Um, I'd heard of it for years and years and sat down and watched it. And um, I thought it was fantastic. And analog has this thing where you can, it's it's raw, it's untouched, and it's more human than digital, obviously. Digital yeah. is computerized. And, you know, analog allows for us to make those mistakes that actually might work to enhance the music. You, the way that you slur a note or the way that you and one note bleeds into the other or you might, you know, have this certain effect in your voice, this quiver that, you know, in your voice or the raspiness in your voice or something like that. I think there's something very, very human about analog um, and there's something very human about music. So yeah. so, you know, not touching it and, and just letting it be what it what it is, what it's meant to be. I think there's something to be said about that. I, however, enjoy and am currently in the process of actually like experimenting a little bit with synths and with like certain effects. Um, so there's definitely for me a place for for digital sounds. I. I for for the sounds, definitely, but perhaps for me, not for touching up uh, the the mistakes of uh, of an instrumentalist or of a of a singer. Because when you, I feel like when I feel like you can use digital to um, to supplement analog to to go on top of analog, but you shouldn't use digital technology as a crutch in right. lieu of analog. Because then we get into, I'm a huge fan of live music, and I think that a lot of bands that or, or artists that have music out there should, um, for instance, when we write music, for me, anyway, I'll just speak for, for myself. When I'm writing music, I'm always thinking about what the crowd, what the audience experience is going to be, what they're going to think sounds cool or, or you know, certain transitions that we can do and how it will affect their experience. I feel like when you use digital technology too much, then it's sort of misleading for the audience because they have this certain idea if they listen to a recorded version of that song of what that song is supposed to sound like. Yeah. They have their own idea, the way that you told them, you spoon fed it to them, you said, this is what I sound like and this is what the song sounds like. But if you were touched up, if your voice was digitally airbrushed, so to speak, yeah. and then you come and, and you don't have that technology available to you as you're singing live or as you're playing live, and then they find out that you actually are really terrible as <laughs> an instrumentalist or as yeah. a vocalist, then that's sort of, I feel like that's like some sort of like mismarketing. Like that's like, that's like lying to your audience. Um, so I don't think that digital should be used to make someone sound d different or better than they actually are. I feel like you should have some honesty in, and integrity in the way that you approach music in that respect. But I, I also I love when I hear certain sounds and effects that you couldn't get from any regular instrument yeah. that you can only yeah. get from a computer. Some, something like that. 
I, I think so. Digital as an add-on, I'm a huge fan of, but but not for altering someone's someone's natural abilities right. because it's it's almost like taking a performance enhancing drug yeah. in sports. Yeah. You know, so yeah. The digital revolution, though, like I would never <clears throat> not yeah, I would never go back to s- CDs ever again. Like this, I the idea that I can put songs into my phone into an iPod yeah. and carry it. Like with like me everywhere, thousands, thousands, thousands upon thousands, of songs, yeah. and I can share it with friends. I can do this and that. Like in terms of the user experience, digital is definitely the way to go for if you want something that's portable. That said, yeah, yeah. if I can get vinyl quality, you know, a listening experience everywhere I go, I'd go with that. But for sure. now, it just seems such like such a great idea. And you're right, vinyl is a very warm listening. Yeah experience but i again i think it's perhaps the nostalgia of the whole thing yeah. we as we we associate vinyl with an with an older time kind of romantic notion yeah right yeah. and the whole thing with opening up the plastic yeah. and then opening the sleeve and reading the lyrics and following along looking at the pictures it's a whole sort of ritual you know mm-hmm some people like to have, uh, you know, hand ground coffee beans, you know, before mm-hmm. they make and then they use hot, fresh water for a particular source. And that whole coffee making space is very nostalgic, you know, yeah. same thing with, you know, vinyl, vinyl mm-hmm. experience. Right. So mm-hmm. I think there's some sort of romantic. There's a lot of tradition it to it. Yeah. yeah. That that sound. And I'm, I'm even thinking back to Usher's Confessions album. A, a few of the tracks he had, he. I don't know how they did it exactly, but he inserted record sounds right, into like it, like a crackle. Like a, yeah, a little yeah. crackle. Yeah. And there's something. There's something. As someone who's listened who listened to vinyl growing up, there's something about hearing that when you when you put the needle down, like it. It it's an emotional experience. It's not just listening to music. You're immersing yourself in it. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. No, that crackle. And that crackle might have been digitally added. Who knows? Yeah, well, that's but it. Could, they probably yeah. put a really sensitive microphone up to someone starting the record, record, starting record yeah. version of it. Yeah. But, yeah, that's even that sound, just that sound. Yeah. There's something about that sound. But, it's like the anticipation. But I might add, though, would tape cassettes be analog? Like we've equated vinyl with analog, right? But there's other forms of vinyl or uh, other forms of uh, analog, yeah. like uh, eight uh, beta tape, eight track yeah. beta tapes, and other things, right? Why? Why? Like those are analog too. No one likes cassette tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no cassette, one likes cassette tapes. Yeah, perhaps cassette tapes will come back. <laughs> There's a forgotten <laughs> format. <laughs> totally forgot about cassettes. Oh, that so the whole digital analog divide makes me. It made me think of the process you guys have gone through in the last, I'd say, year and a half, where you're now trying to record yourselves to like you. You've taken the step of you've written some songs and you want to record them and. And put them out in the world. And you started off, and I remember because I was there, I started off extremely, like so optimistically, so promisingly trying. You wanted to do it. You wanted to all be in one room, the whole band, record it live. And you wanted to, if it took a hundred takes, you guys wanted to play a hundred times to get something like, I, I'm pretty sure most of the Beatles sessions that they did back mm-hmm. in the 60s were like, they, they played through like you can hear people like you can hear them swearing in the background of some yeah. songs yeah. Uh, when they mess up. But they're just they're playing it through and whatever they record, that's what's going out. Yeah. 
Uh, and you guys have had some issues with that now. And well, yeah, several issues along the way. Do you think there's like, is it a matter of technology? If you guys could, if you guys had a budget of like a hundred thousand dollars or whatever a record label budget would be with the studio and with all this equipment, do, do you guys still think it's worth going in and trying to do that as a whole band, like miking up the drums individually, uh, like putting all your amps and everything, all your pedals and playing through like that? Or do you guys think that maybe you've learned and now you can see the value in going in and each tracking your own stuff, tracking the vocals separately? What do you guys think? Is there like, I think it, again, it's maybe a pros and cons of both thing, but do you guys still in your, like in the dream scenario, would you guys want to go through and do like a live session recording and then maybe clean up little things or move things around? Or do you guys think that was a thing to try and it was really interesting and a great experiment to try, but maybe it's not the way if you guys are going to record an EP, it's not the way to do it. You're going to go into a studio and do it one at a time or maybe two at a time, whatever. Is that something you guys have thought about? I think about it quite often. And <clears throat> I think that there's, there's a place for each of those approaches, depending on the song, really. Yeah. If you have a song that is uh, that needs a little bit more isolation from everyone, or it depends on the arrangement of the song, what you what you want from the song. Most of our songs, all of our songs, we play live, yeah. and so you know, there's something there's something um, intangible. Uh, Something that you you don't subconsciously feels very very good from from performing and listening to a song live. There's something there's some other element at work there. Yeah. Um, when you when you're listening to live music and and even not to embarrass her, but Becca, my girlfriend, she she is constantly amazed by bands and she's constantly amazed at at, at Sons of Pluto. She comes to nearly all of our shows and she's always amazed. She always says. Like, it's crazy that four people are playing four different instruments or, or you know, playing, yep. you know, you have these four individuals that that use their instruments and it sounds good together or like who are singing together and it sounds good. And you guys know when to change and you know what beat to follow and like who to follow and th just something about playing together. I think there's a rush and doing that. I feel like if I were to, because here's the thing, when I'm playing, usually when I, when we play live, I'm also playing something else. I'm, not, I'm yep. playing a guitar or I'm playing a song, uh, sorry, a, a piano. There are a couple of songs where I don't play anything uh, and I just get to sing. I identify myself first and foremost as a singer. And so when I, when I don't have to play anything else and I can put all of my energy into singing, then I feel like I, then I, I get a better result. Um, but so, so that means that when I'm playing and singing, it might not be the best vocal yep. sound. You might not get the most, the best vocals out of me when I, when I'm in a sound booth maybe, and, and I'm singing over the track that everybody else has played, then you might get the best vocals. So it's, it's sort of a catch 22 because I like playing and singing and doing everything as if we were doing it on stage. Cause I think that there's just this, this extra element there that makes it really, really special but it might not be the best approach all the time. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you're going to have to do things separately there. Are, but again, it, it depends. It depends on the song. My perfect world would be do the song a hundred times. 
right. do it live, even just for for the um, for the instruments, because there are certain ways that Biel might play, Shea might play, Christina might play, I might play, and and it's because we can see each other because we have that connection while we're playing, we're all in the same room. We're playing the same song at the same exact time in our lives. And we can, and we have that, we form that connection when we start playing music. Um, so even just for the instruments, it might be better to do <clears throat> live, but for the vocals and for any other effects that you have to throw on top, then go and do that after maybe. But my preference is live because it's more, it's more, it's more familiar to me and it's more uh, akin to like playing live for an audience, which I think we all love to do more than anything. Yeah, I think so. In the ideal world, I, I totally would agree with Damien. I mean, there's nothing that beats having three other people that you respect as musicians, as human beings right there live. You lock eyes and you know exactly what's going to happen next. Yeah. Irreplaceable. There's no words that, that can describe that rush. Um, and putting that and capturing that is like putting lightning in a bottle. Um, if it takes a hundred times, it takes a hundred times. Like that would be the ideal situation. But when you begin to examine the business side of things, effectiveness, this and that, corrections that you have to make, deadlines you have to meet, mm-hmm. profits to be made, I can see why the layered version creates a product that's more... Uh, palatable say to a record company or to your producer because you're able to like damien said focused on the one thing that you need to do and do it right one take yeah rather than trying to lock eyes or trying to sing and play at the same time which can be you know part of the a challenge when you play live so i can see benefits to both but in the ideal world i'm with damien like definitely the live situation for sure Mm, cool i like that i yeah it's the, the live thing, I think in the modern music industry is underrated. There are people that do it, but the vast majority, like they might not even, Britney Spears might sing and she won't even ever see the band that she's singing with. Cause they're just, they're, I mean, same thing with, uh, voiceover acting. And I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't see the people. Yeah, you don't you never meet you them. Never meet them. <laughs> yeah. But you're like, like, like for Shrek, let's say like Mike Myers never met Eddie Murphy or they never met Cameron Diaz. Like, but their voices are interacting in this. I don't know. I just feel like there's something wrong with that. <laughs> it seems, know? yeah, it seems really weird. Yeah. Some cartoons they'll do it with multiple actors in a, in a, in a roommate. Eh? I know Rango did that. I don't know if they did the voiceover work all together, but they did the actions. Like they actually acted out the movie. Okay. Johnny Depp and all the other actors were in a studio acting out. And so they, they, the animators based all the movements and all the body language and everything, all the physical humor off of what the actors actually did. Like they actually had to do that. I don't know about their voices, but I, yeah, I think there's something kind of, um, kind of perverse about, about, you know, singing, Along with people that you don't that you don't know or you've never met, right? Because people c- get together to make music. Yeah. You know, they, that's one thing that people have in common. Like a lot of people, most people, I would say, if not everybody, loves music, and so people should get together. Like music should promote being together in a band or listening or something like that. It's it should really be a group experience. So if you isolate yourself from that. I feel like that's like sort of a perverse form of music, not to put down anybody who, especially someone as as successful 
as Britney Spears. She's yeah, oh yeah, she's money than I <laughs> But so you know, she's doing something right. But I mean, um, I just feel like there's a place there for for nurturing the connection between human beings that something that music does for human the human soul that I think is very very good. So you should try and do it together as opposed to isolated. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> There's a, that reminds me of a scene in, or not a scene, but a, I guess sort of an outtake from Lord of the Rings where Ian McKellen was sitting in a green room, like surrounded with a green table. And I think there was something like there were mirrors placed so that he like where he was supposed to look to see people. And there's a footage I've seen where he just like basically breaks down crying because he's like, this isn't why I got into acting. Like this was supposed, and when they did the original trilogy of Lord of the Rings movies, it wasn't, they tried, they did like realistic effects for as much of it as possible. They actually used, uh, like they, there's a wagon scene at the beginning of the Lord of the Rings. Right. Where they have, it's Gandalf and is it Frodo in Lord of the Rings? Or is it Bilbo? It's Frodo, right? It's Frodo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're sitting in this wagon that's been modified so that they can just film it. And Elijah Wood looks tiny and Ian McCall, and Ian McCall looks, looks huge. He looks huge. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen that. And they, like, it's forced perspective, but they, they use all these real effects. And then with the Hobbit movies, they've, they've done away with a lot of that. And so it's a lot of green screen and a lot of CGI added later. And like it affected him so deeply in that moment that he just broke down. Yeah. It's, it's crazy because it's so true. You have someone sitting there and like the Avengers is another huge one. It's just like they're doing all this work in front of the green screen. Like you have to, and it almost makes you a better actor because you have to picture everything that's going on. I, yeah, I'm always, I, I'm always saddened by that, but also very, very impressed. If you think yeah. of it, sort of, sort of a lighter sort of example would be Ted with Mark Wahlberg yeah. and, 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 um, uh, what's his name? Seth MacFarlane. Um, He had to do all of that stuff with this imaginary bear. And that's, that's ridiculous. It, (laughs) it means, I guess that Mark Wahlberg is a better actor than I thought he was previously, probably, but it also means that there was no, because if you have this really great drama, like doing, doing away with all the special effects for a moment, like if you have this really visceral film, the actors play off of each other. Like, and and I've done some stage work and I know that it depends on who your co-stars are that that affects your performance. If your co-stars aren't giving anything back to you then you can't play off of each other. Or if you have to like carry the role or the, the show yourself and like all the expressions and all the excitement yourself. And that can be very, very exhausting. I'm sure Sir Ian McCullen felt very exhausted in that moment that he's basically having to do everything himself because there's something about being there together in front of each other where you can feed off of another person's reaction and then you react in a certain yeah. way, very much like music. Like you can feed, I love looking over at BL. He looks over at me and we can, we can say like, wow, that was like a really good eight bars that you just did. Like fantastic. <laughs> well, you say that, it would be, we yeah. did. <laughs> well, well, I mean, like if you, unit, but yeah. you know, like if you go off on a solo oh, okay. and you've done this song like a million times, yeah. but you did something new and unexpected in that solo, then it's just like, that was really cool, man. Like that, that whole thing. And then that makes me excited. And then I try and do something really exciting with the song. Definitely something to be said for playing music, any sort of performing, uh, whether it be acting or music um, in front of actual people, in front of other people. You just can't beat 
as much as computers try, like you cannot beat the human touch. Like right. there's something sure. very cool about that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Shorty all the time, yeah. I like the way you work it. 
that you guys think people should check out. But before we get to that, I just want to talk a bit, get your, get an artist's take on the, this, I don't know if you guys have heard much about this Spotify debacle between Spotify and Taylor Swift, where she took all her, her music off streaming music services, but specifically Spotify ended up, uh, they posted, they posted a rebuttal letter saying we, we give artists lots of money. Uh, so switching from album sales and touring making artists money or making, I guess making labels money and then the artists get a little bit of it shifting to the streaming model where you get paid something like a 10th of a cent or in some, in Spotify's cases, sometimes a lot less than that. Uh, how do you guys feel about the direction that paying for music is going? Like it's sort of, it, it went from you for most people, at least I know you guys said you buy albums uh, more often than probably the average person does, but going from, buying your music because you really value the artist and you value the music itself. You want to promote, like you want to, you want to help that artist out to paying between five and $10 a month and just listening to as much music as you want. And then letting the labels and letting the services sort out the money of who gets what do you like? Do you, do you think getting into the music industry is maybe less desirable than it was because of that? Like most people are saying, you don't even think like you put your money on streaming services and try to make a little bit of money, but most of your money is going to come from touring. Now you should, you should focus on that and maybe have people discover your music through streaming services, but don't depend on that for income. You guys think you guys have anything you could like, if this Taylor Swift specifically story is new to you, it's yeah. Well, I knew it happened, but I'm not sure what I think about it. I mean, I can tell you that in the ideal world, you'd support the artist directly. Yep. Um, and I think we're taking steps towards that now yeah. um, with Kickstarter and other <clears throat> crowdfunding technologies like that. So that's really cool, especially for up and coming bands. Yeah. Um, so I hope to continue to step towards that. And I personally think that I'm more picky with who I support. So I'd prefer the model where, I get to choose the bands that I support rather yeah. than paying like a flat like Netflix rate to yeah. check out everybody. Yeah. I, I, I love playing shows. And so like, if I could, if I could make a living out of, and I said this before, like if I can make a living out of being a musician and I, I probably like 
at my job right now, I make more than say the average Canadian would yeah. make, but I still don't make like, I'm not, I'm not rich, you know? And I, and, and if I, but if I could play music and make the exact same amount of money that I make now, yeah. I would be the happiest person in the world, I think. Um, so, but, and I, and I love the live aspect of, of playing. It sucks that artists are, losing money on album sales and, and things like that. It, it really, it really does suck that we're buying less, that less music than in, in history. I think is 2014 supposed to be the first year without a, a platinum record? It was record. going to be. And then Taylor Swift did Just it. Completely dispelled all of yeah. the, that, that, those predictions, but. Well, no, they were, they were predicting it, but they, once they heard she was coming out with one, they said that would, that would probably make it. And it would be the one this year. And then it might be the last one ever mm-hmm. if current trends continue. Mm-hmm. I I think that um, it's both sad and a good thing that bands are making less money uh, from their albums. I think bands should get out there and tour anyway. Yeah, I think that they should go and share their music with their fans directly and in person and connect with their fans directly. I also think that a lot of bands who have quote unquote made it aren't aren't really losing that like it's okay if they have a less like yeah they're still like multi-millionaire like they're still comfortable they're still of course then but there are the the bands kind of in the middle you got like sort of the middle class bands and the artists that are really really struggling um i think those are definitely the bands that you should you should support directly as as directly as you can Um, because obviously there's all this stuff that gets skimmed off the top and before it makes it to the actual band. But I, I think that if you really respect the artist, then you should probably go and buy their album as opposed to, I don't really know much about Spotify, sure. but yeah, so just, you're came, saying, just came to Canada in the last few months. So, but you're saying you would pay one flat rate every, every month and you can listen to whatever, but so it's what, 10, five, I think seven? it's 10. So, so if you listen to more that actually, if you listen to even one album, yeah, then that artist, even that artist, never mind other artists that you might listen to, other than other than that, are losing a bit of money. Exactly. I think that if yeah. you if you really respect the band, you should go and and support them directly, especially these middle class bands that I was mentioning yeah. earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that you should definitely go and, and give your money to them and say like that I support you. This is other like if you don't do that, then it's a bit of like a bystander effect. Like they'll make it. They don't need me. Sure. Yeah. They'll they'll be fine. They're really talented and pretty soon they're gonna get picked up by a major label and they're gonna go on this world tour and everything. But people need to understand that it's the fans that make that exactly. happen. Oh yeah. Like, absolutely. The, the fans make the bands and the fans, the fans uh, give them money. Basically they're investing in this thing that they believe in, but then they also talk about the bands that they love and then the bands get more popular and then they get, you know, bigger and bigger. If you want to see your favorite band succeed, I would say do not, do not throw your money away into some sort of anonymous type of uh, vacuum, but you, you, you should, you should consciously be like, I like, in this case, let's say Taylor Swift. Because um, who doesn't? 
Let's be honest. I respect. I respect. I've got respect for Taylor Swift. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, but so let's say I know some pretty diehard Taylor Swift fans, and if they love Taylor Swift, they should probably give their money directly to Taylor Swift instead of give a flat rate, which is less than you would have paid for for the album, to a big company yeah. or a big-ish company who will then sort of give them sort of a percentage or a percentage of a percentage yeah. Yeah. Uh, after that. But it sucks that bands are making less from record sales, but that probably just means that a band should go out and tour and connect with their fans live. And if you can't do that, then maybe you don't deserve to be a band. Like yeah. if you, my approach is like, again, like when we're writing songs and stuff like that, can I do this live? Yeah. Um, can a human do this live? If I need to get someone else to come in and do it another layer sure. or something, can it be done live basically? If you can do what you do live, I think that that means that you're that adds some legitimacy to your to your art and to your craft. So a band that is struggling in terms of record sales, just get out there and just and just do it. Just just go and connect with your fans and just play a really, really great show. And I don't think anybody will be mad at you for that. You'll have a good time. They'll have a good time. But we were just actually we just was it you, Shay and I just read. The article by Moose, by yeah. Jack Conti uh, from Papa Moose saying that they actually lost money on their on their tour on their tour the USA I think. Yeah. yeah in the states he he and it was a very very honest honest uh, account of everything that they put into so they went they went into between the two of them I think twenty four thousand dollars of credit card debt they had put all this stuff on their credit card they got they have money from like YouTube and from um, and from Patreon and, and yep. stuff like that. Um, but they, after paying everybody after, after the rehearsal time, after the food for everybody, the session musicians that they brought on tour with them, the bus stuff like that, they actually were in the hole $11,000 mm-hmm. or $21,000, mm-hmm. but they had a fantastic, and this is what Jack said, like he had a fantastic time doing it and they would do it again. Sure. Like it was worth going into credit card debt to do this because even like this is their first like major big tour, but it's setting up for the for the next tour. Yeah. More people will come out. You know, they have a certain amount of people that came to watch them and they lost money on this one. But those people are going to tell more people like you got to come see Pomplamoose. And by the way, Pomplamoose is an incredibly talented band. Like they deserve to have stadiums of people watching awesome. them. Yeah, they're really, really great, really talented. And you can tell that they put a lot of time into what they do. But so he was saying that it was sort of this was sort of an investment. That eleven thousand dollars that they lost was sort of an investment for the next tour that they do. Yeah. Hopefully that they can do a bigger one, that they can start making money. But right now, I mean, they're fine. They're gonna make some money from other ways that, that they sure. yeah. you know, and that's the other thing is Patreon, I think, is a way that people, if you like the artist, can actually like give money yeah. to the artist directly, right? Yeah. Like that's and the artist gets that money. Patreon takes, I don't know, whatever percentage, but the artist gets most of the money. So yeah. if you really like an artist who's sort of struggling, sort of a middle class mm-hmm. artist right now, um, then Patreon might be something that you can look into. Yeah as well that way you know it's getting to them patreon's really great because it was put together by people in that situation i think jack conti actually was one of the founding members of patreon i think i think he has something sure to do with it yeah so yeah it's put together it's for artists by artists i guess and the fans obviously yeah (laughs) yeah 
That said, though, we can never forget. I mean, we always romanticize the perspectives of a band because we are in a band. Uh, the band, the whole band for me, though, in another perspective and on another lens is a team of the management, of the tour manager, of the advertising, of, you know, the people that are behind the band, too. So it, it, it takes a village. It, it takes a village. It really, it really does. does. So really while does, yeah. in, you know, theory, we agree that we should pay the bands directly, but there should be some money that are divided also yeah. to to the broader band well, like, and that's team. Like, that's like when you go on when the bands go on tour and then you go to the show. Like you're not just paying the person that you sure, see, yeah, you're paying yeah. the light guy, the sound the guy, whole, the, yeah. the, the tour manager. Like you're paying everybody. I mean, beyond that too, like all the other things that go on yeah. beyond the tour. That right. who runs the website? Who right? Does tickets get sold? Yeah, how do tickets get sold? There's a whole network of people that are working together that also need support. They have to pay their bills. So that's more of a reason that you probably should buy the record Mm -hmm. or go see the show rather than pay uh, $5 to $10 a month on musical Netflix, basically, is what you're you're buying. Um, Yeah. Hmm. So other than Pomplamoose and the bands you've already mentioned, maybe mention their names again, what are some sort of again the middle class bands you guys want to? And when know, I say middle class, I don't mean their integrity. Like the oh no, not integrity. at all. <laughs> I, I thought mean, that was clear. <laughs> okay, I mean maybe we can use a different term, but I mean I mean in terms of how if success was a measure of financially how much yeah. you have, that's what I mean by yeah. middle class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> any other bands that you? Well, I'm really. Partial, partial to Alterbridge. Uh, I mean, for the longest time, they were my number one uh, rock and roll group that I follow. And uh, I'd pitch them because from what, like from my friend, my group of friends, only two people actively follow them. Now Shay three, uh, but before Shay, maybe two. So Mm -hmm. I'd say go listen to their new album, Fortress. And so they're pretty active on YouTube, is that right? I not right now, I don't think. Okay, but uh, there was a time when they were pushing their album where they did tour videos. Okay, yeah, I know. There's there are some bands that will put, or I guess the label is probably in charge of it, but they'll put their entire like a 47 minute video just of the audio, but like it's an official. Oh yeah, they did do that. Okay, yeah, they, that did, is what did, I was they did release okay. that, uh, and it was just so amazing. The album too. And Alta Bridge, are we? I know Dream Theater is is also a band that you and Shay enjoy more. More, more Shay, so Shay, but yeah, but they they're they're classically trained or very technically trained yes. musicians. Are Alta Bridge is same sort of thing? Uh, I know Miles I know, Kennedy is. Miles Kennedy is, I believe. The other guys, I'm not too sure. I know Mark Shimani was self taught, but certainly. The people that I follow, uh, there's a blind guitarist by the name of Raumi Don, who I follow as well. So great. Yeah, uh, and he has a jazz background too. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I think UC Berkeley? Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. sure. But somewhere in the States. Yeah, yeah. somewhere in the States. We went and BL brought me to see him at Folk Fest. And this man was on a, on like a, basically the back of a truck, I feel like. Back of a truck? On the oh, stage. It's a, oh, it's a tiny the stage. stage. It was yeah. a very, very small stage, but he deserved to be on. Big, big stage. stage. This man was so great. Um, yeah, so Raul Midon and, and Alter Bridge. Bridge. So it's so our uh, Raul Midon is more like soul jazz R and B sort of, and then there's Alter Bridge, which is more like hard rock. Okay, yeah. 
I have a list. Um, <laughs> I love Lake Street Dive. Yeah, they're really good. Fantastic. Really, good. really, really great band uh, from the States. They're jazz pop. Um, their singer, Rachel Price, is a classically trained jazz Award-winning, actually, an award-winning jazz vocalist. Yeah, they're all they're all um, they're all uh, uh, schooled in 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 jazz. I think they all met in jazz school. Okay, Boston, I think. I think somewhere in Boston. Um, So they're a jazz pop band. Very very cool. They came to Ottawa for the jazz fest and just put down the. Yeah, put down the sound. And they, Damien fanboy totally. I got my record. I got. I have a vinyl record yeah, from Lake Street yeah. Dive, and I got it signed from them. So Lake Street Dive for sure. Pomplamoose I already mentioned. Really, really cool sort of techno pop kind of thing. Really, really eclectic sound. I really like them. Natalie Dawn is really good. They have some friends named Julia Noons who got really famous uh, from YouTube. Just her and her ukulele in her like dorm room, yeah. and now she's touring and she's gone going all over the place. She's really great. Um, and their other friend, Lauren O'Connell is a really great, uh, few, uh, sorry, a folk musician, but I'm really into the head and the heart right now, which is like a folk rock band. Um, they're amazing. Uh, they have a new album called let's well, newish album called let's be still. That's a really, really great album. Um, I mentioned Hosier before, I think he's Irish and he's sort of a, he's sort of a bluesy folk rock kind of guy. Um, and he's quite young too. He's probably like 22. Um, Bo Real, uh, yeah, is local an band. band. Uh, they're, they're really great, really great guys. Um, and their, their music is really great. They were supposed to open <laughs> for Puddle of Mud this week or this, this Last month. Friday? I think so. But Puddle of Mud had their own issues, uh, with their lead singer and immigration and, and getting into Canada. So it's that so weird that keeps happening. Fun. You guys had that happen with the elephant. 12. Elephant 12. 12. 12 yeah. yeah. Um, who else is someone that I listen to that not many people <laughs> have heard of? It's uh, just so hard to. Tree phones was great. Tree yeah. phones. I just found on Thursday and I bought their album immediately. I think they only have 80 likes on Facebook. So yeah. definitely like tree phones. Cause they're, they're really great. I like, ambient sounds but i also like i like ambient sort of uh ethereal sounds but with some sort of drive to it something some sort of beat that you can hold on to i'm really into that um so yeah those are just just to name a few yeah i I really enjoy i really enjoy also the kind of blue-eyed soul like female singers like in the in sort of in the vein of amy winehouse like uh, Amanda Russell's fantastic. Uh, Josh Stone, I follow as well. Okay. Josh Stone. Yeah, really, really good. So, I mean, my tastes are kind of eclectic, eclectic too. So it's hard to pin down mm-hmm. names that people don't know. Right. But definitely Alter Bridge and Round Me Down. Um, yeah. Cool. Works for me. You guys want to play some music? Sure. sure. Let's do it. Awesome. Play some music.
I'm sorry.